following lesson is from the College and Career Teaching Ministry of Medina Bible Church. Okay, so we're going to do um, Matthew chapter 6. I'll have a couple people read this. The main verse I want to really talk about is going to be 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. But let's start in um, 19 and then just read through the rest of the chapter because it, it's all pretty relevant. And I think the context is super important to why he says that. So who wants to read 19? And just read 19 to 24, someone. Okay, okay go ahead. Do not store up for yourselves treasure on earth where moths and vermin destroy it and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves Treasure, treasures in heaven where moths and vermins do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And then 25 to 34, someone want to read that? Thank you, Jenna. Go ahead, Trey. Yeah. For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, not for your body as to what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, that they do not sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? And who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to your life? And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all of his glory clothes himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Do not worry then, saying, What will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all of these things, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. Let's seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Amen. Yeah, so that is like one kind of, from the beginning there, he's talking about laying up treasures in heaven. And the whole thing is essentially about what you're seeking after. Where are you putting your treasures? Where are you placing emphasis as far as money goes? Are you seeking first the things of the world, money, possessions, treasures? Or are you seeking first the kingdom, which in the end there, he kind of sums it up and gives us a command as to what we are to do. Seek first the kingdom. So let's uh, start by asking a couple basic questions. So the first thing I was going to talk about is what does it mean to seek? I mean, it's pretty basic. To search for, yes. Any other, anyone throw some more synonyms out there? To actively pursue. That's a good one. I like that one. That's what I have on here, actively pursuing, striving for, working for, aiming to, aspiring to, trying to obtain something, trying to find something or someone, right? You're seeking, you're actively looking. And then context also determines how we understand seek, right? If I tell you to seek for food, well, you probably just go to your fridge but like if, you know, if you're in some country, you got to like do work to look for food, maybe hunt or something like that. There's a certain process by which you understand I go about seeking to try to find food. Or if I tell you seek to be a better person, well, you're not going to go look in your fridge, right? You're, you're going to take that seek and you're going to apply it into these areas of how you can be a better person. Or you're going to think, you're going to try to like rationalize, analyze what am I doing wrong? How can I improve? What are ways that I can implement and strive after seeking to be a better person? Same thing with your job. If you have to you know, improve an area of work or school, you want to do good at a test and it's like seek to do well at school. How do you seek to do well? You study, 
you put in the necessary work that it takes to improve. And so seeking first, then what would that mean if we seek first something? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, that's the point. It's This is the primary thing you seek after. And the the parallel passage to this in Luke chapter 12 is actually worth looking at, but we'll probably read that in just a little bit. I have it here. But it talks about instead of seeking food, clothing, money, etc., instead of doing that, do seek first the kingdom. So it's kind of like these are two opposite things that Christ is putting before us, telling us, here's one thing the Gentiles seek after, food, clothing. This is what the world goes after. This is what I want you to go after and seek for as my children, as Christians. Um, so, so then another question how would we go about, so we talked about seeking for to be a better person, seeking to be good at school. How does one go about seeking after the kingdom? What would you guys say? What, what, is it, what does it mean to seek the kingdom of God first and to seek his righteousness? I think one thing is that um, prayer and to ask, like if you gen, genuinely want to be devoted to God, to, you know, reach out to other people to pray to him to open up your heart and for when others talk to you like you know when you're in church to for the message to really seep in with you and so then you can just start with that basic like the first open up my heart and let me get to know you first before you know then I start to go in and ask questions yeah what else are some ways we can seek his being kingdom do what being, being in his word yep absolutely Got it. Jenna said it all priorities, like making priorities in your life, not just kind of like, or like, not like a checklist that you check off and be like, oh, I wrote my Bible and looked at it. Yeah. Or like just seeking throughout the day. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, those are all good things. Um, basically, I mean, what is it to seek first the kingdom? Essentially, you're striving after, <coughs> excuse me. You're striving after, you're seeking after that which God is seeking after, right? Your will is his will. That, that's the goal. And it's not like that perfectly with any of us. But the goal is if we're going to seek first the kingdom, we want to seek that which is God's will to be done. It's like the Lord's Prayer earlier, actually, in Matthew, in the beginning of 6, he talks about um, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that is our goal here. We want the Lord's will to be done on earth. And we're seeking to bring that about. And so these are all great things. How can you know what the Lord's will is if you don't read your Bible, right? Like Justin says, if you're not praying for these things, we know that prayer is a means of intercession. It's a way to get to God to ask for things. And he responds to our prayers. And those things, when they are according to his will, he answers them. That's what the Bible says. It's actually a promise. If we pray something that's according to his will, we are guaranteed to get that which we're asking for. Um, so we wanna we wanna make sure that we are we're doing this, like we're getting busy about trying to bring about the Lord's will on this earth. Um it, you know, praying for it is is good. But a lot of times I feel like we, I, I just don't get stuck in just praying or just reading. We, there's got to be some activity, I guess. That's what I'm saying with seeking too. You got to apply yourself. Don't just pray, oh, Lord, you know, maybe send someone else. It's like you go. Like if we're talking about sending laborers into the harvest field, the first thing we ought to think about is what am I doing? How can I be a laborer for the field, right? Is there some – it's not saying – I'm not saying go to China. Everybody's got to go to China. But there is some capacity in which we can serve God with our lives and see the advancement of his kingdom um, and bring that about. Like, Be active. Pray, Lord, how can I be used and seek for ways to be used, right? It's just like with anything. We're talking earlier. When you want to do good at school, you apply yourself. It's not just knowledge in your head. You want to make sure that we're trying to apply ourselves to do the things that he's revealed to us to do. Um, and what are some things 
that we would say he has revealed to us? Like, can you think of any places in scripture that God's explicitly revealed to us what his will is for each one of us or just in the world in general? Does anybody think of anything? Okay. Can you think of where in scripture it would say that? That is that is right. That is there's something. I'll help you out. The most important the most important yeah, I I mean the the most important and explicit thing Jesus tells us in John chapter 6 verse 39 and 40. Let's let's go there and read that. John 6. I want us to see some of these things because I know MacArthur has a book, it's called God's Will is Found or something like that. But a lot of times Christians are, what's God's will for my life? What's God's will for my life? I just want to know what God's will is for my life. But the reality is he tells us in the scriptures more more things directly that are his will than we even have time or ability to accomplish almost. It's like if we just consume ourselves with that which he's told us to do, we don't really have time to do anything else. So let's read John 6. Um, I think it's 39 and 40. Somebody want to read that? This is the will of him who sent me, that all of that all of that that all of that he has given me, I lose nothing, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, on that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in him will have eternal life, and I myself will raise him up on that on the last day. Yes. So that here we learn, Jesus is telling us, this is the will of my Father. Everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him has eternal life. So the will of God for every human being is to believe in Jesus Christ and receive eternal life. I mean, that's the foundational thing. And if we're going to seek first the kingdom, it's like Mark was saying um, today, if you're going to uh, be a young man who's sober-minded and self-controlled, if you're not a Christian first, it doesn't matter. Nothing's going to matter. It's just like putting a self-righteous jacket on, right? You're you're essentially trying to earn good works if you're not first coming to Christ to be a Christian. So the first thing is seeking after the kingdom would be to seek after Jesus Christ to become a Christian. That's the first way to go about it. That's the very first thing his will would be for each and every person. Um, and then, you know, as far as Christians go in dealing with lost people, that ought to be the primary emphasis and focus when we're dealing with lost people. We want to make sure that the first thing we're, we're putting before them is the gospel, that they would accept it and come to Jesus Christ. If we're putting anything else in front of them to, to either do this or stop doing that, or and I trust me, I'm super guilty of this when I first became a Christian. I didn't know these things. And it's like, you put all these rules in front of people, well, they're not even Christians. It's not... Even if they keep all the rules, it doesn't matter, right? I mean, what does rule keeping matter if you have not come to the sun to receive eternal life? So that would be the most important thing. How about another thing that God explicitly reveals to us that would be his will for us? I mean, it kind of goes along with what, with what we were saying, but when I was doing my deep, uh, deeper Bible study and I was in Matthew, yeah. I came across, and it was said today by your dad, and except in Matthew, whoever finds their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. So, and I remember that verse really stood out to me, and it's like, we get we can get so wrapped up, we do get so wrapped up in our lives, and then when these kinds of things, like big things in your life come up, you got to remind yourself, like, you know, are you just doing it because you want to, or are you going to do what maybe what's ethical or what's of the Lord? And you just trust in that He will provide everything you need to follow Him, even though you don't really see it. You know, so again, yeah. it's just like living for Him and His kingdom. Yeah, yeah, that goes right along with it. Um, it's certainly seeking first the kingdom is going to go going to for sure cause you to lose your life. You know, Jesus said, if you deny yourself. Or if anybody wants to be my disciple, deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow me. Like there's there's a cross to be picked up and carried in the Christian life. It's uh, dying to your self wants, your selfish needs, things to, to advance your own self in this world. You're giving it up for the sake of Christ. 
But God promises you that if you do that, that's where you will find your life. You know, it's countercultural. Like we're saying that the world teaches you to love yourself and and pursue that which is going to make you happy. And if you want something, just go after it. And Jesus just comes along and crushes that. And it's like, no, there's there's none of that in the Christian life. Jesus did not come to serve himself. He came to serve. So that's important to think about. That's a good one, Jenna. Um, I'm thinking about one in uh, 1 Thessalonians 4. And it says, and this is the will of God, your sanctification. And it's talking about, especially in regards to sexual sin. But God's will is for us to be sanctified, to be more conformed to Jesus Christ. So one practical way we seek the advancement of the kingdom is to seek to be like Jesus Christ. Constantly conforming our lives. Um, like it says there in, in Romans 12, don't be, transform, or don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We want to renew our minds constantly in the word, in prayer, to be able to fight against that, those things that come up in us that are contrary to the word and to know, you know, what to do. Um, and the other thing that he says pretty explicitly, that just just good is in first Thessalonians five, one chapter over. He says, rejoice always, pray without ceasing and give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God for you. And it's like, I mean, just think about that. Give thanks in all circumstances. That That is God's will for you. That right there is enough to focus on. It's so easy to give thanks when things are good. But when things are, are bad, God's will is to give thanks in all circumstances. He wants you to be thankful to him. That, you know, ultimately, if you're a Christian, what's the Bible say? All things work together for the good of those who are called according to his purpose. Even things we're perceiving as bad or are just aren't going according to what we think they're going, God is using those things in our lives to shape us, to make us more like him, ultimately for his glory and for our good. And we can't forget that. So if we believe that, we can give thanks in times that are hard because we know that God's using this for our good. Um, and then... So the next thing I want us to notice is the context. And I kind of touched on this in the beginning. The context in which seeking first the kingdom is given is with regards to money, laying up treasures in heaven versus laying up treasures on earth. So we're all confronted with this. What are we going to do? You, you see in verse, um, oh, hold on. I, it's verse 24. And the therefore in 25, let me pull it up. Sorry, guys. Yes. So in 25, he starts like the whole don't be, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. And he starts it with therefore. Well, just before that in verse 24, he says, you cannot serve God and money. So he's, he talks about laying up treasures in heaven. He says, do not lay up treasures on the earth. Don't do it. Don't. Lay up treasures in heaven instead because you cannot serve God and money. Essentially is what's being said. You, you can't do both. You can't lay up treasures on earth and lay up treasures in heaven. It doesn't work that way. God demands your all or it's nothing. Therefore, 25, I tell you, don't be anxious then about the earthly things. Food, drink, clothes. There's no need to be anxious. Because you can't, you're either going to serve God or you're going to serve money, things, heavenly, uh, earthly treasures. So, so we're confronted with this. Then, what's the pattern of our lives? And you got to, you know, you got to really look. Do you believe what Jesus is saying when he says, "Do not lay up treasures on earth"? I mean, this is this is challenging. For me, for myself, primarily, I, this is something I'm constantly confronting myself with because I'm not saying at all, um, you know, you can have no earthly possessions whatsoever. We know that the Bible in other places teaches that we have to work and supply needs for our family and our loved ones and for the church and etc. But we all know also there, that it's so easy to justify that um, 
seek treasures on earth, basically, and justify it away by saying, well, I have to work and provide because Jesus is saying here, you don't have to worry about your food and your clothing at all. I'll, I will provide that. If you will so much as seek first the kingdom, I will take care of your food. I'll feed you. I will clothe you. But it's so easy to just get wrapped up like, well, if I don't work, it's like, here, here's the thing. We only have so much time in a day. All of us only have so much time every day. There's 24 hours in a day. For eight of them, we sleep, most people. Maybe Danny's an exception over here. <laughs> you do? Yeah, okay. I know Danny barely sleeps over here. Anyway, most normal people sleep seven to eight hours. Okay, there's 16 hours left in your day. How are you allotting this 16-hour day to seek first the kingdom and not seek first treasures on on this earth nobody has more time in a day to do one or the other i mean jesus understands that he's not some people some people are not like you know supernaturally gifted or something to have more time you just it's what do you do with your time how are you allotting your time and it's good to if you want to know where your heart is at it's really good what makes you anxious if you think about this what are the things that cause you stress and anxiety this reveals to you where your heart is and, and possibly where your treasure is. We did a study one time talking about fear. And, and essentially, this was in the men's study. The guy was saying, all fear, and I like this because I, I do think it's true. All fear originates from love. If you love something enough, you will fear that which threatens it. Right. If you love God so much, you will fear that which is going to interrupt your relationship with him or harm your relationship with him in some way or another. If you love your life, you're going to fear things which threaten your life. Why are people um, afraid of heights? Just afraid they might fall. If there was no, if they, like you get these people, I've seen some of these YouTube videos, these people like running with no ropes on the tops of buildings for fun, recording themselves. I don't know if you guys have seen this. And it's like, just no fear of death. They don't love their, do they love their life? Would one say, no, that's not smart at all. The smallest slip and you could fall and die, right? But anyways, ask yourself, what stresses you out? What brings you fear? What causes you anxiety? What worries you? Is it the, the fact that you're not, you know, you worry about being able to supply your physical needs. Now, most of us are young and Jesse and Liz aren't here, but they just got married. It's kind of more real in that sense. But, you know, we all live with our parents and we have them as a security, which is a good thing. It's not bad. But, you know, do you worry about what your future is going to be like? What job you're going to get? Being able to do well in school so you can get the career that you want to have a certain material standard and comfortability in life. You know, because then what happens? Then you go with this attitude, man, if I don't study for this test, I'm going to fail this class. If I fail this class, then my life is just going to be over. I'm not going to get the career that I want. I'm not going to be able to su support myself the way that I want. <laughs> and But this is the tendency to take things to the extreme with work. I mean, I'm guilty of this myself with work. One meeting goes bad. One hair, one hair thing goes bad. My life is over. And it's like, now I'm not going to have new clients. You know, my, my work's not going to trust me anymore. They're not going to give me these new projects. I'm going to get fired. I'm going to lose my job. I'm not going to be able to support my family. And I'm going to have no way to, to live. And, but, but what's that cause us to do? See, we have that sort of self-conscious or subliminal thing inside of us. And so we say, I'm going to study really hard for this test. And so day after day, or, you know, I'm going to really prepare for this meeting. Day after day after day, you justify your, your, your want to ensure that you have some security from your job to have food. And day after day, you're giving yourself to things that is not the kingdom. You're studying hours and hours and hours and hours. And look, I get we have to study. But again, just listen to Jesus's commands. Don't worry about your physical needs. Don't worry about them. If you seek first the kingdom as the priority, he's going to provide everything else. So we're not in a position to be able to, to then like say, well, I got to work really hard to prepare for this meeting. 
And so day after day, you know, you have this in the back of your mind. If I don't do well at this meeting, then all these, you know, chain events are going to happen and I'm not going to be able to feed myself. So ultimately, it's like if you really boil it down, you're worrying about food, clothes and money. It's the basic necessities of life. Food, what are you going to eat? What are you going to drink? Because let's say you lose your job or let's say you flunk school. I mean, do you really think God's going to be like, I can't believe, you know, that guy, that girl, Jenna flunked out of school or Justin, you know, got fired from his job. I'm not feeding him. And it's like, no, we have a God that loves us regardless of our earthly circumstances. And if we just strive to please him first, you know, listen, part of striving to please him first is doing a good job at your job. It's making sure you're doing well at school but all in its priority. See, this is the thing. You don't want to get your priorities mixed up. It's first the kingdom. It's first seeking Christ in everything. First, our lives have to be built on the foundation of Christianity. Christianity is not something that you can just like squeeze into all the cracks and crevices of your very busy schedule. And wherever I have time to read my Bible and wherever I have time to pray and but I have all these things I got to do and my schedule is so busy. And, and so what happens? You're, you spend the most of your time, your 16 hours, working, studying, playing, entertaining yourself. And you spend 15 minutes in your Bible in the morning. And it's like, is that seeking first the kingdom? Is that where, you know, what's that saying about where your priorities are? Look, if you took that approach with your job, you would get fired. What boss could you go to and be like, look, I'm going to do my 15 minutes like real quick in the morning and I got stuff to do. I got other plans. Like I'm so busy. That is just the total, it is not right. But we're talking about glorious eternal realities of advancing God's kingdom in this world. That should be what takes up most of our time. Most of our time. And again, it's not, it does, it's not always these extravagant move to China give up your life and like serve missionaries there. No, these are daily struggles. Are you putting sin to death in your life? Are you being sanctified? Are you making efforts to create time in your schedule to strategize, to plan? You know, what am I going to do with my time so I can know God more? So I know what he wants from me. So I can serve the church's needs. Look, see, so that's one side of being, if that, If those worldly things are making you anxious, that is revealing something to you about where your heart is. If you stress out over these things, you know, how many followers do I have on Instagram? What do my followers think of me? What level am I at in this video game? Um, Am I going to be able to get the latest pair of clothes or pants or shoes or whatever? Or it's like a constant striving of how am I going to get the things that I want in this life? But if your anxieties are the alternative to this, if you're not really anxious, but if you're thinking about, man, how's my time with the Lord been? Does that stress you out? Why haven't I been able to spend more than 15 minutes in the Word every day? Why don't I want to spend more than 15 minutes in the Word every day? Like, what's going on? Lord, help me. You know, I'm feeling dull. I'm feeling cold. Do do those things concern you? Those are the things that ought to concern us. These are the things that Christ wants us to be concerned with, his kingdom. Are we spending enough time in prayer that day to seek him, right? Are we reading our Bible to seek him? Are we striving to know his will in order to advance it? Are we communing with God like we should? Do our loved ones, our lost loved ones' salvation concern us? I mean, that, that missionary that came over here was talking about praying for things and how long you persist in these things shows how much you actually care about this. Because if we believe God is able to give us whatever we ask for, and we have lost family members that we know are going to die and go to hell, why would we ever stop praying? Why would we ever stop pleading with God to, to save them and to do a work? You know, do those things bring you anxiety when you think about them? Like, man, I have so many family members that do not know God. Or, or my neighbors, I mean, the, the lost, when we go out and evangelize, this whole neighborhood, for the most part, is lost. I've met some Christians out there, but most of them are just living in the world. They're seeking after food and clothes and drink. Their whole lives are geared towards getting stuff. 
We don't want to be like that, you know? We ought to be concerned for them. These things ought to concern us, bring us anxiety, and then cause us what? To seek after the, to do something about it. Either we're, we're praying, we're, we're going out there on the streets, we're talking to people, we're wanting them to know the truth. We ourselves are conforming our lives, getting to know God. Um, I mean, essentially, it's one or the other. If you're spending your time worrying about that which is ultimately going to get you food and clothes, money, stuff, material possessions, you're not going to have time to seek first the kingdom. You just don't. There's not enough time in the day. The two are opposed to each other. There's a healthy, godly way to earn money and supply for your family. And there's an absolutely wrong way that takes up way too much time, way too much effort, causes you stress and anxiety. I can't answer that for you and tell you where you're at, but you really have to examine your heart. Know if these things are bringing you anxieties. Look at where you're spending your time. Does your life say you believe this? When you stand before God, is there evidence that I did seek first the kingdom, Lord? I, I strove to, you know. We're not going to do it perfectly, but you can strive after it. Um, yeah, so so that's, I mean, even in my own life, this has been one of the most transforming things. To, to dwell on this, to think about it, to always, 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 Lord, I do not want to waste my time. You know, I desperately don't want to waste my time. And I'm going to die. We're all going to die. And when we stand before the Lord, nothing is going to matter. Do you think we're going to care if we, you know, got that pay raise or um, passed, you know, this test or got the career we wanted or got the food that we need? Are we going to care? We're not even going to be judged according to those things at all. We're going to be judged according to what we've done for the Lord. Have we lost our lives for the Lord? I mean, that's the very essence of it. It's that passage you brought up, Jenna. And then also the context of this being in the, uh, in the same thing with anxiety. This is the cure to anxiety. And I know we've done studies in this in the past on Wednesday nights and pastors talked about um, like 90 some percent of all the world in some survey, I can't remember the number, suffers from anxiety or some sort of depression or stress. And like half of those people are on medication for it. But this is the real cure. This is the real cure. Because think about this. God's given us a promise. He has, the creator of the universe has promised to provide all of our needs. But it's a conditional promise. It's if right? There's a condition to this. If you seek first the kingdom, then God is going to provide all your needs. I mean, talk about a weight off your shoulders, right? You don't have to worry about what am I going to eat? How am I going to pay my rent? How am I going to get money to, to live? How am I going to support my family? God is like, look, the Gentiles seek after those things. That's what all the world is after. My children ought not to be concerned with those things. You have a God who loves you and cares for you. And I'm promising you, I'm going to take care of you. Don't worry. Don't worry. Do not go seeking after those things. Don't go spending your time there. You have a God who's going to take care of you. Instead, go seek to advance my kingdom in this world. That's why we're. That's why God saves us. Not just to send us, to save us from hell, like Pastor was saying. Titus, in the end of Titus 2, he saves us to redeem for himself a people that are zealous for good works. That's the whole reason anybody gets saved. You're trying to advance God's kingdom in this world. And if you're not striving for that, it's like, what are we doing with our time? What, what's more, what could possibly be more important? And so I know that you know, there's this tendency to think, well, I, but I need to work. I mean, doesn't the Bible commit? Yes, it does. But if we're being honest, we live in a society, we don't need to really, uh, especially among us, like we don't need all this encouragement to, to get more and to do more and do better for yourself. 
You hear that everywhere, and we all understand. Who doesn't want more stuff? But but the Christian's call is so extreme to the other side that we need to be constantly told, stop seeking those things. Stop. Slow down. Consider the kingdom. There's a whole life to be had in seeking first the kingdom of God that it's like you're missing out on here. The I mean, most people work eight hours a day. That's normal. Like sleep eight, work eight, and then there's eight left over. And if you do that, I mean, think about it. You have eight hours in your day left out, eight hours left over. You could do a lot of things in seeking first the kingdom with those eight hours. I'm not saying you have to go tell your job, oh, I can only work four hours today. But you get what, you get what I'm, you feel me? My heart, right? So, so ultimately it's a faith issue, guys. The cure to anxiety is faith in God. Do we believe God that he is going to provide us our food and our clothing if we're seeking first the kingdom of God? Do we really believe that? Would our lifestyle reflect that? And ultimately, what's it? it's speaking about where our heart is with the Lord. I mean, are we calling God a liar, essentially, with our lives? He says to seek first the kingdom. Are we saying with our lives, yeah, but, you know, I have all these commitments. I've got all these things. Well, you know, what is that to the Lord? He's asking you to do something very um, opposite of the world. The Gentiles are doing that. Christians are not to do that. We're to be different. We are to look different in every way. Um, let's see. Well, maybe I should... Does anybody have thoughts? I mean, I want to hear from you guys too. Is this... Is this ringing true with anybody? Is this... So, <laughs> since ever, like, school started for me, usually I always like to do my quiet time in the morning, and I spend a good, you know, portion of it. In the summer, I started the deeper study, you know, going from the, you know, first the Old Testament, first to the New Testament, and, you know, taking, like, a good hour or even more, you know, whatever. And since school came, I have to, usually I think, like, almost every day of the week, except for, you know, the weekend and then uh, Wednesday... I have to wake up really, really early to, you know, drive there. It's a long drive, to get class, whatever. And some days I spend nine hours there. I come home around like five or whatever. So I can't wake up and I can't do my quiet time. Like usually I wake up and I just pray. And then I, pray, you know, do things in the car as well, like sermons and whatever. But usually I can't, I haven't been spending as much time in the Bible, like as long. And it, it does stress me out because I'm like, oh man. Because usually I look forward to that so much. Mm -hmm. and it really starts my day off really well. But I think I just have to, I'm trying to, you know, be more disciplined to do it later in the day, even though I'm like, I'm so over it. Like school is just like, oh, and so, you know, just to at least read a little bit and to put down a couple points, but yeah, you're right. It is, you know, it, it should concern you if, you know, it's not, and it is stressful. You know, you're like, oh man, you try to pray for more times. And it's like, I devote so much time to school now. It's like, you know. God will give you the grades he wants you to have. And I have to keep reminding myself that like, if he wants, if he wants you to get you through, he'll, he'll get you through. Maybe not with the grades that you want, probably as good of grades as you want, but he'll get you through. So, and sometimes I'm like, oh, you know, I, I maybe just to do a little less studying and, you know, to then really make more time for this. So and to adjust and get a rhythm like that. So that was very well said what I needed. Yeah. Okay. Good. good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, along with that, you know, I was reading something a little bit ago and it just stunned me, especially because, you know, I'm, I'm self-employed basically. And I have a trade, right, where I kind of do a skill-based job. And uh, I want to read you guys something in Luke 5. Okay. This is Jesus calling the disciples. And this is very relevant to, to this especially with you saying like God's going to give you the grades that you want kind of thing. Now, you know, obviously there's work that you have to put in, right. In order to apply yourself and do a good job. I mean, the Bible's full of things. The Proverbs is full of hard work 
brings uh, wealth. It's plain and simple. You work hard, you're going to get that, which it's a principle God's put into this world, right? But what are we working hard towards? You know, what are, where are we putting our efforts? Um, so, so let me read this and, and just talk about what kind of hit me. And there's a lot here. So on one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets, getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's. He asked him to put out a little from land. And he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Simon, this is Peter, put put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word, I will let down the nets. And when he had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish he had taken. Okay, this is Jesus calling these disciples. This is how he first called them. And then he tells them, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching men. Okay, think about this. Simon, Peter, James, and John, Nathaniel, these disciples were fishermen by trade. This is how they made their living. These were experts. I mean, they knew what they were doing. They knew how to catch fish, right? Like, that's what they did. They were good at it. That's how they made a living. That's how they had eaten up to this point. This is how they, so, so these are skilled men at what they do, fishermen by trade. They go out there all night and do not catch a fish. What do you think they're thinking? I am the worst fisherman in the whole. I can't believe, like, come on, this is what I do, right? How could I not be catching fish? They, They could be anxious about this, right? How is it that skilled fishermen cannot catch fish? Ultimately, Jesus Christ is sovereign. Okay, he willed that they would not catch fish that day so that this could happen. So that they could see it's God who's giving them the fish primarily. And then it's God who's going to teach them in the same way to catch men instead of fish, to bring men into the kingdom of heaven. Right. This is all it was symbolic for them. He's teaching them something. So in the same ways. When God's saying he's going to provide for us, like, look what he talks about. He gives us three examples in that Matthew 6 passage of not worrying. The lilies of the field, they don't do anything, but they're beautiful. And they're insignificant. I mean, who thinks about the grass outside? It's like you see it and it's beautiful. Well, it gets mowed and tossed. I mean, the, the the moment it grows up, right? And then he talks about birds. They're not over here working a nine to five, yet they get food somehow. They're fed. They have children. They're able to find food and feed them. In Job, it talks about God gives the young lion its prey. God does that. So yes, the young lion goes out and hunts, but God's the one that gives it the the prey, the food to feed it because it's hungry. And so think about this. When we work, when we go to our jobs, like when I'm The result that comes out, yes, I can work. Yes, I can try. But ultimately, God is sovereignly controlling every result for his glory and for my good. So if I have a bad day at work, it's not because of, you know, I don't have a right to get anxious and say, oh, God, you know, what's going on? That's doubting. He says, oh, you of little faith, right? Oh, you of little, the problem is faith. You're not trusting His sovereignty over every detail of your life. If you had a bad day, it was for a purpose. And if you have a good day, likewise, the time you say, man, I am so good at this. I am, you know, this is wonderful. I'm really good at my job. No, that's not the point. God wants you to see it's, it's him in the bad and in the good. It's him that's bringing us everything. 
do we believe this? So again, it's faith. I mean, are we believing if we literally leave everything? If I, if I do do something extreme, if I quit my job in order to serve the kingdom, do I really think God is going to give me my needs? Do I believe that? I mean, it is a promise. Now, I think a legitimate question is to ask, well, am I called to the ministry? Right? That's legitimate. I don't, I'm not saying everybody just quits their job and tries to become a pastor. You understand what I'm saying? So, yeah. So, guys, I mean, this is a, it's a life practice. It really is. This is something that your life is built upon, built around, like I was saying earlier. This is not a type of seeking that you do when you have some free time left over. Um, you know, well, okay, maybe I have, you know, 10 minutes. How can I advance the kingdom in these 10 minutes? No, no, no. This is that which you're primarily doing with your life. Everything else is formed around this. Your jobs, the times that you work, the days that you work, the job that you take. There are jobs that Christians should not take. Absolutely not. There are there are places Christians should not go. There are things Christians should not do. They should not listen to. They should not watch. Because it's ultimately not bringing forth the kingdom of God. So we have to understand this. Our lives are built around seeking God, seeking his kingdom, living for him. Um. Yeah. Yeah, any other thoughts, guys? Or yes. I like what you were saying about in terms of like not being anxious and how something that has been such a sweetness to my soul is reading in the Psalms. <laughs> you get to read the promises of God, and it's been helping me so much. Just seeing like, okay, Lord, what is Your will? And then reading it, and it gives me such comfort that this this is what he's telling me i go so why are you worried you know so just reminding myself of the truth and helping me therefore to trust in him hmm. it's just been so good for me yeah why are you cast down on oh my soul hope in god right he's our he's everything he fights for us he he provides for us he he does everything for us and yet it's so easy for us to just and go out there and do what we think we want to do. You know, oh, I, I have a free day tomorrow. What am I going to do? I'll play some video games. I'll go, you know, go to the pool. Maybe I'll go out to eat here. I'll go shopping. And it's like, are any of those things bad? No, they're not wrong. They're not sinful. But really, I mean, you were saved for a purpose. You were saved to advance the kingdom of God. This is a privilege and an honor. We're not left in bondage to this world to figure out how we're going to get all the stuff that we can amass in this world because we're leaving it here anyways. The treasure thing, it's we're not storing up treasure here. We're not trying to find fulfillment and enjoyment and satisfaction and all that we can do in this world. Our fulfillment, our satisfaction is found in that which we're doing for God. Um, it's true fulfillment, true satisfaction. You know, sure, earthly things bring temporary happiness, but it's fleeting. You got to chase after it all the time, right? Yeah. English, um, I don't know what you just said, kind of, um, I mean, I understand, I can relate. And then I, it's been, I have my password for everything. Um, give me wisdom. Oh, don't share that here. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> this, not, this message will self distress. Right. <laughs> if I get hacked, I know who I'm going to be talking to. Um, and, you know, it's like with Solomon, he asked God to give him wisdom. That's all he asked for. And, and with wisdom, comes more faith, trust, direction, like um, 
you know, taking away the fear, trust, basically, and 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 how God wants to use us when we're open, when we have more wisdom to see God. That's how we can then carry out our His will for us. I feel like with with having wisdom. Yeah, wisdom is important. This is my mom, by the way, everyone. I don't know. If... Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah we we need wisdom. Yeah, we certainly need wisdom. And it's so funny you say that. So uh, you know, kind of the similar, but you know, don't be hacking my accounts. But my usually one of the things I use for my passwords and everything is be the light because I remember my freshman year of uh, college. You know, I was reading and, you know, to be the light to people. And I was praying, like, you know, Lord, just shine through me to other people, make me different from other people in that way. Mm-hmm. And it's just always stuck with me, just that, you know, the little yeah. phrase, yeah, or right. just like, you know, be the light or yeah. you know, just pray for wisdom. Yeah. And wisdom comes from God. <clears throat> we, um, one of my favorite verses is um, there's a way that seems right to man, but in the, in the end, it ends. At least to death, and we reason a lot. We'll go, something will happen, and we'll be like, I'm gonna go think about it. But that's just the devil's playground right there. You're going to go think about something where he can manipulate your thoughts, where your own desires and um, insecurities and lusts can take over. Go pray about something, you go seek after the Lord. That's where you get the wisdom, and that leads to life. Which is very true. Yeah, that's good. I agree. That's, a, that's actually a good point. We'll think about it rather than Okay, guys. Yeah, well, I mean, hey, that's all. I appreciate your time. Thank you for listening to the College and Career Teaching Ministry of Medina Bible Church in Medina, Ohio. Please visit our website at www.medinabible.org where you can find our sermon library and other helpful resources, all rights reserved.